do we put God first in everything that we do and really kind of put him at the center of our hearts and our lives? And so as Ian just shared, we're super excited because every year, for many years now, we began 2019, we're going to begin 2019 uh, with a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm going to add another little phrase on there, prayer, fasting, and giving. And, uh, and we start out the new year because there's a principle in Scripture that simply says this. It says that what you do with the first determines what happens with the rest. It's called the principle of first fruits. And so we believe that how we begin the year is critical to how we finish the year. And I don't know how you finished 2018. I hope you finished strong. Amen. And if you haven't, the good news is we get to begin again. Amen. In Christ. And we got a brand new year coming and a brand new opportunity to step into some great things that God really does have for us. And so today, uh, I'm going to try to just kind of dive in a little bit as to why do we do 21 days of prayer, fasting, and giving. And what does that really look like? We're going to kind of get a very practical, applicable view of that. And we're going to see some spiritual understanding today. Hopefully we're going to get some great insight into the spiritual truths of prayer, fasting, and giving and maybe see some things you haven't seen before. And let me just go ahead on the front end of this thing and say that uh, fasting uh, is not a spiritual diet. Let me say it again. Fasting is not a spiritual diet. Now, you can lose weight through fasting, but what, the, what we're about to do over the next 21 days, starting next Sunday, is not about a spiritual diet, right? This is not about, hey, let's lose weight and get in shape. Those are wonderful goals, and I hope that you and I both lose a little more weight and get in shape. Those are good things that are going to happen. But the purpose of fasting is so much deeper, so much more in, in, enriched with what God really wants to do for our lives, and that is to tap us uh, into the fullness of life that we can have uh, in Jesus Christ. And so today I'm excited that we're going to jump in to some awesome stuff and hopefully learn some things. So next Sunday, a week from today, uh, January the 6th at 6 p.m., we'll start our fast next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and we'll break our fast on January the 27th at 6 p.m. So 21 days of prayer, fasting, and giving. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And if you're here today and you've never done a fast, especially maybe a 21-day fast, you might be thinking, what am I doing in church here today, right? What a crazy thing. But we're going to talk about it. I believe you're going to walk away excited. And I really think, I'm going to use a word that I typically don't use with fasting. I think this is going to be the funnest fast we've ever done. We're going to have fun. Y'all ready to have a little fun? We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy this thing. I think we're going to walk away rejuvenated with joy and with peace and with life like never before. And so I'm super excited about opening the Word of God with you today. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1 through 6. And then we're going to look at verse 16 through 18. If you're joining us online today, we want to welcome you. We want to encourage you wherever you are all over the world today. You can join us starting next Sunday in our 21 days of prayer, fasting, and giving. And you can be a part of this exciting journey together. So, hey, let's dive in this morning to the Word of God. Matthew chapter 6 says, watch out. Jesus is speaking here, by the way. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And when you give, y'all say that with me. When you give, when you give to someone in need, don't be as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But look at verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
But give your gifts in private. Y'all say that word with me. Give your gifts where? In private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you. And look at verse 5. When you pray. Y'all say that with me. When you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Look at verse 16. And when you fast, y'all say it with me. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheaved so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Look at verse 17. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. How many know that's good advice, not just for fasting? How many of y'all know some people need to read that verse every day? Comb your hair and wash your face. That's some pretty good advice today. That was worth coming to church over. Comb your hair and wash your face. Y'all didn't know your mama helped write the Bible, did you? I told you we're going to have some fun today. Look at verse 18. And then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So look at that first point on your outline today. Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. And I want to just pause right there for a minute. Because Jesus did not say if. He didn't say if you pray, if you fast, and if you give. He said when. And that little phrase when is significant because it implies something. It implies that prayer, fasting, and giving are an automatic part of following Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're going to pray you're going to fast, and you're going to give. Jesus didn't say, if you pray. He didn't say, if you fast. He didn't say, if you give. He said, when. And then he went into giving us specific instructions about how to pray, and how to fast, and how to give. And one of the most important elements of those instructions is to make sure that we do all of those things, he said, unto the Father and not unto men. Right? Because the goal is not the applause of men. The goal is the reward of the Lord that God wants to give for our private devotion. And so Jesus said, when? When you pray, when you fast, and when you give. And I want you to see, I believe that these three wins, as I want to call them, really do three significant things. Number one, they reconnect us, they refine us, and they refocus our hearts on the things that matter. And if you want to put in parentheses, parentheses beside that, you could actually say they focus our hearts on the things that matter most to God. On the things that matter most to God. Because how many of you realize that when we stand before God on the day of judgment, it's not going to matter if you spent your life doing the things that mattered most to you. It's going to matter did you spend your life doing the things that mattered most to God. Right? It's about putting Him first. It's about making Him that centerpiece of our hearts and our lives. So three things happen strategically, and I believe specifically, and I really believe supernaturally, when we fast and pray and give. So let's talk about prayer. So when we pray, I believe this happens. When we pray, we reconnect with God. 
When we pray, we reconnect with God. I want you to think about that little phrase, reconnect. Uh, now, I don't know over the holidays, how many of you uh, got together with your family over the holidays? Anybody get together with their family? And maybe while you were over the holidays getting together, maybe you saw some family and friends that you normally don't see. Maybe you connected with some people you normally don't connect with. And you know what's interesting is when you see somebody you haven't seen in a while and you have a great conversation, maybe you share a meal together, you walk away, and here's a little phrase we use. We'll say something like this, boy, it sure was good just to reconnect with Bill again. It sure was good just to reconnect with our family again. It sure was good just to reconnect with that person. And think about it. Think about what happened when you reconnected. You know what happened? All you really did was you talked to that person. You talked to that person, maybe you played some games with them, maybe you shared a meal, but for the most part, you were just having a conversation and sharing life and sharing some laughters and sharing some moments together. And how many of you realize that's really what prayer is all about? Prayer is communication and connection with God. When we pray, we're just communicating with the Lord. When we pray, we're just talking with God. Prayer is a place of communication, it's a place of communion, and it's a place of intimacy where we reconnect to the heart of God. I want you to look with me in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. That ought to be on your refrigerator. Amen? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Don't worry about the bills. Pray about the bills. Don't worry about your family, pray about your family. Don't worry about your job, pray about your job. Don't worry about your future, pray about your future. Don't worry about your past, pray about your past. Don't worry about your problems, pray about your problems. Don't worry about your struggles, pray about your struggles. Don't worry about the promotion, pray about the promotion. Don't worry about getting fired, pray about getting fired. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Why? Because prayer reconnects you to God. Now let's flip the coin there for just a second because worry disconnects you from God. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. And, and as I was studying this out, the, the Lord spoke to me and the Holy Spirit said, He said, Keith, do you realize that through prayer you connect with God on a triune level, right? God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Lord our God is one, but He reveals Himself in three ways. And as we pray, we reconnect with God on all three levels. And I've never seen this before, and I got excited as the Holy Spirit just to show, began to show me some very simple truths about how prayer reconnects us, first of all, to God the Father. Now, when my kids were little, uh, we used to have a little game we, we played around our house. It was called First Hug. And basically the way it worked was really like this. Whenever I would get home from work in the evening, I'd pull in the driveway and I'd start coming through the front door. And when the kids heard the front door open, didn't matter where they were, didn't matter what they were doing, all three of the kids started running through the house screaming, first hug, first hug, first hug. And they would run to the door and whoever got there first got the first hug. And I would sweep them up in my arms and I'd hug on them and tell them how much I loved them. And then, of course, I had to share the love, right? And I'd give everybody else hugs and everybody love. And, and it was so awesome. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Keith, he said, when you pray instead of worry, prayer connects you to God like that first hug. All of a sudden, prayer allows you to crawl up into the arms of your heavenly Father and have him say, hey, baby, Everything is going to be all right. See, there is an affirmation from God the Father that we all need. 
We all need to be affirmed that everything is going to be all right. We all need to be affirmed that we are loved, that we are valued, and that we are worthy. And let me just say this to you today. There are so many Christians today that are walking around without the affirmation of the Father. And they feel like they're not good enough. They feel like they don't fit in. They feel like they don't measure up. They feel like no matter how hard they try, it's never going to be enough. And I want to just say to you today, stop worrying and start praying. Why? Because when you pray, it reconnects you to the heart of God. And you can hear the affirming words of God as he whispers in your ear and says, Hey, everything is going to be all right. You've got what it takes. I'm with you. And we're going to make it through this. Now, my kids are grown and grown up and moving on and married and all these awesome things. And I can't tell you how many times Kelly and I have had our kids come to, to us and thank us for affirming them and loving them and helping them through hard and difficult times. And you know what the truth is? The truth is most of the time I didn't have the answer. Most of the time I didn't know how it was going to work out. I didn't know how everything was going to come, come together. But I did know it would work out and I did know it would come together. And I did know that God was faithful and God was just and God was good. And I could wrap my arms around my babies and I could say, you know what, darling, it's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this. We're going to come out on the other side. I know you feel like you're about to die, but you're not going to die. You're going to make it. And I didn't really know how that was going to happen. But I had enough confidence in, my, confidence in my Father in Heaven to know that it would happen. And here's the good news about God. God knows how it will happen. God has the power to make it happen. And God is willing to whisper in your ear the affirmation that you and I all need to hear. That, hey, we're going to be okay. And you got what it takes. And see, when you pray instead of worry, all of a sudden you hear the affirmation of the Father. See, if you worry instead of pray, instead of affirmation, you get fear. You get doubt, you get insecurities, and you hear all the lies of the enemy. But the moment you begin to pray, prayer reconnects you to the affirming voice of your Father. And He gives you that holy hug, and He whispers in your ear, and He says, Hey, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. The second thing is not only does, it, does prayer reconnect us to the affirmation of the Father, but it reconnects us to the authority of the Son. How many know Jesus Christ is actually the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Amen. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And before he ascended unto heaven, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And then he looked at his disciples. He said, Now go into all the world and make disciples. And he said, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. You know what authority is? Authority is the right to do something. See, a police officer wears a badge. And you know what that badge does? That badge gives him authority. He can stand out in the middle of the street and he can do this. And you know what will happen unless you're uh, running from the law, you'll probably stop. <laughs> police officer holds up his hand and says, stop. You know what happens? We stop. Why? Because that police officer has authority. He has a little badge right here that says he, he has the authority to stop your car. He has the authority to pull you over. He has the authority to say, stop, and you stop. You know what happens when you pray? When you don't worry about anything but you pray about everything, all of a sudden you reconnect to Christ who is our authority. And now we have the right. See, so many Christians don't understand their rights and their privileges through Christ. You have the right to be healed, the right to be blessed. You have the right for God to work and move on your life. You have the right to receive every good and every perfect gift that God has for you. And all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Why? Not because of your performance but because of His sacrifice. 
And all of a sudden, when you pray about it instead of worrying about it, all of a sudden you reconnect to Christ and you reconnect to that authority. And instead of living under authority of the enemy, right? Because when you worry, how many of you realize this? When you worry, you give your circumstances authority over you. They control your peace, they control your joy, they control your attitude, they control your focus, they control your direction. That's what happens when you worry. But when you pray about everything instead of worrying about anything, you know what happens? You crawl up into the arms of God, you receive the affirmation of the Father, and all of a sudden you reconnect with Christ and the authority of God that you have. And all of a sudden something begins to shift. You ever had that happen? You ever been worried about something and instead of worrying about it, you decided to pray about it? And when you started praying about it, you reconnected with Christ and before you know it, you're taking authority over that storm. You're taking authority over that circumstance. You're taking authority over those things and you're looking at the devil and you're saying, Stop! In the name of Jesus! Why? Because prayer reconnects you to that authority. I remember a time Kelly was battling through depression and, and we were in a dark moment and it was a hard time and a tough day and I was driving down the road and I was overwhelmed with fear and I was overwhelmed with anxiety and I was overwhelmed with the circumstances of our life and I just began to lift my hands to the Lord and praise Him and all of a sudden I reconnected with Christ and an authority came over me. And a boldness came over me. And what was a pity party became a war zone. And I began to war in that truck. And I began to declare the authority of Jesus Christ over my family, over my wife, over our future. And I began to declare, stop in the name of Jesus. And I began to release the glory and the power and the purpose that God had for our lives, for our family, and for our future. Why? Because when you pray, you reconnect to Christ who is our authority. And not only do you reconnect to Christ, but you reconnect to the Holy Spirit. Right, it's the Father's affirmation, it's the Son's authority, but it's the Holy Spirit's power. Right, we got way too many Christians walking around living powerless against the enemy. You know what worry does? Worry takes your power away. Worry makes you powerless against the enemy. Worry makes you powerless against your circumstances. Worry makes you powerless against the things that have risen up against you. But when you pray instead of worry, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you reconnect to the person of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God comes upon you. Right? Acts chapter 1, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Dunamis, dynamite, miraculous, supernatural power. That's what happens when we pray, right? Right? Because how many know the police officer has a badge, which is his authority, but if you don't want to honor his authority, he has a gun, which is his power. And if you don't want to stop because of this, you'll stop because of this. And if you don't want to stop because of this, then he can make you stop because he has power. He has authority. He has the right and he has the might, the power, to enforce his authority. Guess what? When you pray about your problems, your circumstances, your situation in your life, when you pray about it, instead of worrying about it, you reconnect to the Father, you reconnect to the Son, and you reconnect to the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, not only do I have the authority and the right to do what God has called me to do, I have the power to do what God has called me to do. And all of a sudden you begin to operate in the power and authority of Jesus Christ and the power of of the Holy Spirit and you become a victor and not a victim why 
Because when you pray, when you pray, you reconnect to the Father's affirmation. You reconnect to the Son's authority. And you reconnect to the Spirit's power. And all of a sudden, you're not under. Now you're over. Because you're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. So when we pray, we reconnect. Let's talk about fasting for a minute. When we fast, we refine. We refine. That's an interesting word. We refine our hearts. I want to give you a great scripture. It's Luke chapter 4. It's the story of Jesus. And the Bible says this. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He had just been baptized. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And Jesus ate nothing at nothing at Nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now look at verse 14. And then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Now in the Old Testament, let me just say this. In the Old Testament, people fasted to appease God or to please God. Right, God was mad so we better fast and pray. (laughs) Right, we had sinned so we better fast and pray. We need the favor of God and the blessing of God, so we better fast and we better pray. I want to tell you something. As New Testament Christians, we no longer fast and pray to appease or even please God. Because there's nothing, I want you to hear this today, this is significant. There's nothing greater that you can add to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ than what he has already done. We have been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It is His sacrifice and His sacrifice alone that makes us right with God. Think about it. What could you ever add to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to get God to love you or be pleased with you more than He already is because you are complete in Christ, lacking nothing. And we don't fast to appease God and we don't fast to please God we fast to refine our hearts and our lives so that what God has put in us will freely flow through us the Bible says of Jesus he went in the wilderness and he was full of the Holy Spirit and after 40 days of prayer and fasting and temptation he came out of the wilderness the Bible says Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And then this is a great phrase. The Bible then says that his fame spread rapidly across the nation and the region. Why? Because all of a sudden what was in him began to flow through him. And the world began to be changed by the glory of God that was deposited and manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. Why do we fast? We fast, let me say it this way. So we can crucify our flesh. Because how many of you realize there are some things in you that sometimes want to hinder the flow of what God has put in you to keep it from flowing through you? Let me just say it to you like this today. God, your family, let me say it this way, your family needs the gift of God that's within you. Your family needs the gift of God that's within you. Your family needs the glory of God that's within you. Your family needs the grace of God that's within you. Your family needs the creativity of God that's within you. But not just your family, your community. And not just your community, your church. And not just your church, your city. And not just your city, your state. And not just your state, your nation. And not just your nation, but the nations of the world need the glory of God that is within you. So why do we fast? We don't fast to please God or appease God. He's not mad. Jesus bore the wrath of God and the judgment of God on the cross so that the pleasure of the Lord could be poured out upon us. So why do we fast? We fast to refine our hearts. 
to crucify our flesh. We fast so that we can learn how to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Because how many of you realize the more you say no to your flesh, the carnal nature, and the more you say yes to the Holy Spirit, God's nature, the more of what God has put in you flows through you. And many of you are walking around full of the glory, but nobody knows it. Because there's some stuff in you that needs to be refined. Because you've spent way too much time saying yes to your flesh, and way too little time saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And so why do we fast? Because we want to learn how to crucify the flesh and say no to the carnal nature. And how many of you know that our desire for physical food is one of the greatest carnal appetites that we have? Now I was talking to Kelly last night, and, and I, I just told Kelly, I said, you're not normal. She doesn't think about food. She doesn't like to eat. Sometimes, she said. But how I many you know for most of us normal people, especially all the guys, you eat breakfast and you think about what's for lunch. You eat lunch and you think about what's for supper. You eat supper and you go to bed thinking about what are we going to eat tomorrow. Right? Isn't that how most of us kind of live our lives? We think a lot about food. Why? Because food is a carnal appetite. And yes, we need food to live. But how I many you know that man does not live by bread alone? but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why do we fast? We fast to refine our hearts and our lives so that we can become a vessel through which what God has put in us flows through us unhindered by the carnal nature of our flesh. We learn to say no. I mean, think about it. Just over the holidays, right? You told yourself, I don't need to eat anymore while you were dipping your next plate. Right? I don't need any more of this that I'm about to eat more of. And I don't know about you, I was kind of thinking, I hope God is in heaven and he takes a Christmas break. He's like, oh, it's Christmas. They can eat anything they want to eat. Just go right in. I don't think he does that. But if he does, that'd be wonderful. But how many of you understand that there is a carnal nature in you? And let me just say this about your flesh. Your flesh is a wonderful servant but it is a horrible master. And when you are mastered by your flesh, it will quench the Holy Spirit. When you are mastered by your flesh, it will grieve the Holy Spirit. When you are mastered by your flesh, it will hinder the flow of the Spirit of God and the life of God and the glory of God and the creativity of God and the inside of God and the revelation of God that He has put within you, that He wants to flow through you so that the world can be made better because of who Christ is in you. And so why do we fast? We fast to refine our flesh, to crucify our flesh, to give way for the greater glory of God. Because I want to discipline my flesh so my body can be my servant and not my master. Because I don't want to be mastered by my flesh. Amen? Y'all with me? All right. Let's talk about that third thing. When you give. When you fast, when you pray, and then he said, when you give. Look with me in Luke, excuse me, John chapter 13. We were just in Luke 4. John 13, Jesus said, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
When we pray, we reconnect with God. When we fast, we refine our hearts and our lives so that we become a vessel through which God's glory can flow. And when we give, we refocus our hearts and our minds on what Christianity is all about. Love God and love people. When Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said love God, love people. And then Jesus in John 13 said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Don't just love God and love people, but love people the way I loved you. That's a pretty big love. Because how many of you understand that when you love, you give? Right? Very few people gave Christmas gifts to people they hated. I can't stand you. Let me go buy you something. No, no, no. You gave because you loved. That's what love does, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave, right? Why? Because love gives. And when we give... All of a sudden, what we're doing is we are being refocused on what really matters most to God. you got to love God by loving people. If you don't love people, you can't love God. You can't love God unless you love people. Because God says, if you want to love me, you got to love people. And so when we give, all of a sudden, it crucifies that selfish nature. How many of you know we have a tendency to be selfish? But all of a sudden, when we give, it causes us to think about other people. It refocuses my thoughts and my mind and my attention on the things that matter most. And that is, what am I doing to love God by loving people? And so when I pray, I reconnect with God. When I fast, I refine my heart so I can become a vessel through which God can work. And when I give, I refocus my thoughts and my attention on the things that really matter, and that is that God loves people. And i got to love God by loving people because that's the only way to really love Him. Amen? And love gives. So let me give you one more thought, and then I'm going to give you some practical guidelines, okay? Private devotion produces supernatural rewards. And we touched on this just a little bit earlier, but there's a common thread that is woven through those scriptures that we read in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, what you do in private, God will reward you openly. What you do in private, God will reward you openly. What you do in private, God will reward you openly. Now, we live in a culture where the applause of people is so pursued, right? We live in a social media world where we want the applause of people. But I want you to understand, Jesus said, if all you do is what you do for the applause of people, then that's all the rewards you get. He said, but if you'll do what you do for the glory of God and not for the applause of people, then God who sees what you do in private will reward you. Well, Pastor Keith, what's that reward going to be? I don't know. God's pretty good at giving stuff, though. God's pretty good at giving stuff. How many of y'all know that? God's pretty good at giving special rewards away. God loves to bless his kids. And he has promised to reward us. Not only do we get to reconnect, not only do we get to, to refine, not only do we get to refocus, but we get the reward of heaven. And so I want to just simply say this to you today. As we pray, as we fast, as we give, we do it as a private act of devotion. Why? Because it's not about being seen by men. It's about honoring and pursuing the reward of the Lord that God gives to those who do what they do unto him. Unto him. So when you pray, go to your closet, he said. When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Because mama said so. 
Because you're not supposed to do any of those things to be seen. You're supposed to do those things out of a private devotion to God who promises supernatural reward. And we get to enjoy that, amen? Because we set our hearts to please the Lord. So let's talk about some prayer, fasting, and giving guidelines. And we're going to start, if you look at that next point, with fasting. Because that's probably the most uncommon element to us as American Christians. So the first thing I want to say is that you need to define your fast. You need to define your fast. And what I mean by that is, is we're going to start next Sunday night at 6 p.m. And you need to take the, this time this week and pray about and ask God what does he want you to fast from. Now let me just encourage you in a couple things. Number one, let me encourage you to fast some kind of food. I know we have a lot of people that do social media fasts, and I think that's probably one of the best things you can do because that feeds our flesh probably as much as anything else that we do. But let me encourage you, also do some kind of food fast because there's something in our carnal appetite that craves food. And one of the best ways to learn how to say yes to the Holy Spirit is to learn how to say no to that carnal appetite where my body becomes my servant and not my master. So, define your fast. What does that mean? It means you decide what you're going to fast for 21 days. It's between you and God. We don't set that as a church because I believe every person in here is an intelligent, mature believer of Jesus Christ who is capable of hearing the voice of God. So ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to fast from for these 21 days. Now let me give you a couple ideas or suggestions. Sometimes people will fast a meal a day. Sometimes they'll fast two meals a day. Sometimes they'll fast, do a complete food fast. Uh, sometimes people will do what's called a Daniel fast. No meats and no sweets. But whatever it is, you decide. And I want you to decide and define your fast before Sunday night, 6 p.m. And I want you to write it down. And here's, here's the kicker to this. Once you define it, and we start, don't change. Don't change. Don't get three days into it and say, man, this is kind of too hard. I don't know if I really want to do this. I don't think I can. Don't change. So don't make it too hard. Let me just make it easy on you. Don't make it too hard. Make it doable. But make it obedient to God. So whatever the Lord asks you to do, do that. Okay? And you might think, well, well I just really feel like I'm supposed to do something that's not that big. That's okay. Then do it. Well, I feel like I'm supposed to do something that's really big. That's okay. Do it. So whatever the Lord puts on your heart to do, do that. Define the fast, and then don't change. Honor that fast through the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, I say this every year, and I'm going to say it again today. Uh, we do a corporate fast, but this is about personal, private devotion to God. So that simply means this. There are no fasting police. What do I mean by that? I mean it's not your job to police everybody else and find out what they're doing and how they're doing and why are you eating that because I'm not eating that and you shouldn't be eating that. So that means if you go to the restaurant and Brother Curtis is in there and he's eating a big old steak and you think, well, he's one of the elders of the church and we're supposed to be fasting. What's he doing fasting? Let me tell you what he's doing. He's probably obeying the Lord eating that right in front of you. It don't matter what Brother Curtis does. It don't matter what your neighbor does. You're not the fasting police. I know you got a badge and a gun. I told you that a while ago, right? But you're not the fasting police. So go ahead and release everybody else. It's not about what anybody else is doing. It's about what has God told you to do. So define it, stick to it, honor it, and glorify God and release everybody else 
to the Lord, okay? I don't want to hear anybody say, well, did you see what they were eating? Who cares what they were eating? Praise God. Right? 21 days, you can eat it too, but not now if that's what the Lord told you to do. Amen? So define the fast. Second thing is I want you to commit to a daily devotional slash scripture reading plan. Commit to a daily devotional slash scripture reading plan. Why? Because part of prayer is communion with God. And how many know that communion and conversation is not one-sided? So you need to not only talk to God, you need to listen to God. And one of the best ways you can learn to hear the voice of God is to become familiar with the verse of God. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Right? The more you know the verse, what God has said, the more clarity you will have in hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying. So you need to be in the Bible every day. You need to read the scriptures every day. You need to have a daily devotional and you need to have a daily time of prayer and the word. And you need to set it. You need to define it. You need to commit to it. This is what I'm going to read. I'm going to read a chapter a day. I'm going to read this devotional in the book of Psalms a day. I'm going to read this and I'm going to read that a day. You need to define it and set it before we start next Sunday. You need to make an appointment to meet with God where you're going to do it the same time every day if possible and make that commitment. Why? Because when we pray, we reconnect. We reconnect to the Father, we reconnect to the Son, and we reconnect to the Holy Spirit. And there is probably nothing more powerful in our prayer life and our devotion life than the Word of God because God speaks because conversation is both ways. Now, out in there, parentheses, is the word sore. So I want to shamelessly promote my new book. <laughs> so let me just tell you about this book. This is a 30-day devotional book. And every year, typically, for our 21-day fast, we try to work through some kind of book or some kind of devotional. Last year, we did the Reset book by Bob Sorge. This year, we're going to do the Sore book by Pastor Keith Hodges. All right? Now, if you don't want to buy the book, that's between you and God, and that's perfectly fine. I don't care if you buy the book, but you need to commit to some kind of daily reading plan. Now let me tell you real quick about this book. This book was created six months ago. Six months ago, God totally changed the way I do my quiet time. And he gave me seven daily disciplines that make up my quiet time. And this is an interactive book. This is not a read it and put it down. This has got questions you're going to ask. This is going to evaluate your life. This is going to set priorities for your day. This is an interactive book. I call it a daily guide to personal growth and spiritual significance. And so six months ago, God totally changed the way I do my quiet time. And after doing it for about a month, I shared it with Kelly, and now she's been doing it for about five months. And it has revolutionized the way we do our quiet time. This is not all I do in my quiet time, but it is the foundation stone upon what I now do in my daily quiet time with the Lord. And the Lord told me to put it in a book and share it and minister it to people. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Standing up here promoting my own book is really weird to me. And so after last service, I told God, I don't even want to do that again. And we're in worship. I'm so glad we got anointed worship leaders. Stephen, y'all guys did a great job. Let's give them a round of applause this morning. Come on. We're in worship and the Holy Spirit says, if I helped you create something that would cure heart disease, wouldn't you share it with people? I've helped you create something that will prevent spiritual heart disease. Why don't you share it and be unashamed about it? 
So if you want to buy this book, they're $15 out at the information center or they're $20 online and you can buy them until they're gone. But whatever you do, commit to a Bible reading plan that you're going to do every day for 21 days. Amen? All right, look at that next point. Got two more real quick. Stephen, you can come on up, sir. Focus on specific points of prayer. So as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting and giving, I want, you, I want you to be thinking this week, God, what are the specific points of prayer I want to pray over? Maybe it's my family as a whole. Maybe it's a specific family member. Maybe it's something on my job. Maybe it's something in my finances. Maybe it's something about my future. Whatever it is, I want you to clarify that. Write it down. Be specific about the points of prayer. And then pray over those things every day faithfully for 21 days. And that's not all you can pray about, but let's just say I'm going to pray about these three things every day for these 21 days. I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to give. And these are my prayer points for this 21 days of prayer and fasting and giving. So write it down. Ask God to show it to you. Identify maybe the three greatest needs in your life right now and commit them to God through prayer. Now the last thing, maybe the most important thing, is identify specific people that you are going to give to. And if you want to put in parentheses out beside that, invest in. That may be a better phrase. Identify specific people that you're going to give to or people you're going to invest in, right? The Bible said, when you give to those in need, when you give to those in need. So I want you to do something this week. I want you to ask the Lord to show you maybe three people. I'm just going to be honest with you. Three, I believe, is all I can probably handle over the 21 days. Maybe you can handle 20 people. That's fine. I'm asking God for three people. God, show me three people that need something I've got. God, show me three people that need something I've got. And then I'm going to spend those 21 days purposely investing in those people by the leadership of the Holy Spirit trying to help meet the need in their life that God has already given me. So I'm not giving away something I don't have. I'm giving away something I already have. But you know what? What I have, somebody else needs, and what you have, somebody else needs. So let's think real quick. I'm going to talk through this real quick because this is huge. So let's start, start with the obvious. Let's start with money. So maybe... Maybe you got money and maybe somebody you know doesn't have money. And maybe they need the electric bill paid. Or maybe they need a week of groceries. Or maybe they need somebody to take them out and buy them lunch. Or maybe they need somebody to buy them a nice devotional book. Plug, plug. I don't know what they need. But that's one way you can do it. You can say, God, how can I financially meet a need in somebody's life. And again, we're not talking about you don't have the money. We're talking about money that you have. So maybe it's a $5 need. Right? Maybe it's a $50 need. Maybe it's a $500 need. Maybe it's a $1,000 need. I don't know what you have and I don't know what everybody else needs. But God knows what you have that they need and you can ask the Lord, God, how can I meet that need? But don't stop with money. I want you to think about investing your time you're in your authority and your influence in that person's life. And let me just share this with you, and hopefully you'll understand it. Today is Brother Rod's uh, birthday, and so this morning uh, I sent him a text message, and I just thanked him for investing in my life because 
he used his influence to open doors of opportunity for me that I couldn't open. He gave me an opportunity years ago to preach in front of 400 men at a men's conference. And ever since then, I've been invited all over the nation to work with pastors and churches and leaders to help them do what God has called them to do. I could have never opened that door. But he used his influence and he invested in me and opened a door of opportunity in my life that I couldn't open. Let me say this to you. Some of you have authority and influence to open doors in other people's lives that they could never open and you could invest in them and open that door. You can invest in them and share the wisdom and direction that God has given you. You can invest in them and share the care and compassion that God has given you. You can invest in them and meet a need. Maybe they need a friend. Maybe they need wisdom. Maybe they need counsel. Maybe they need fresh vision. Maybe they need direction. You could invest in them. So think about what would happen if you spent the next 21 days purposely investing in a couple people to meet the need that God has already given to you that they need in their life. How powerful would that be? Now I want to close with this story. I heard a, a speaker, he was speaking, I think, to a group of college graduates. and He said, I want to give you two challenges today. First challenge, he said, over the next seven days, he said, I want to challenge you to get three people to believe in you. Three people to believe in you. In the next seven days, I want you to get three people to believe in you. He said, but let me tell you what I know is going to happen in seven days. He said, we're going to get back together in seven days. He said, and most of you are going to be frustrated and discouraged. Because you're going to spend the next seven days trying to figure out how do you promote yourself, how do you market yourself, how do you sell yourself, how do you social media platform yourself so that people that don't know you and really aren't close to you would begin to believe in you as a leader or as a person or as an individual. And he said, most of you are not going to find three people that are going to believe in you. And most of you are going to come back discouraged and disheartened. He said, but let me give you another challenge. He said, let me challenge you that over the next seven days to get three people to believe in themselves. To get three people to believe in themselves. And he said, let me tell you what I know will happen. He said, we'll come back together in seven days. And you'll be excited, you'll be fired up, and you'll be on top of the world. You know why? He said, because you'll spend the next seven days encouraging people, loving people, investing in people, cheerleading people on. You'll spend the next seven days believing in people that may not believe in themselves. And you'll be sowing seeds of encouragement and kindness and compassion and belief on the inside of them. And he said, you'll come back seven days later and you'll be so excited about what God has done through you to help somebody else and he said and what you won't realize is that those three people that now believe in themselves they also now believe in you <laughs> because you made a difference in their lives and if you think about the people that you believe in the people you believe in are not the people that promote themselves the people you believe in are the people that believe in you and that have invested in you and that have loved you and served you and helped you. And those are the people that you hold in high esteem. Those are the people that you value and you respect. Why? Not because they promoted themselves, but because they believed in and invested in you. I believe on January the 27th, 
We're going to walk in this building. We're going to be so excited and so fired up and so pumped up about what God has done through us as other people are learning to believe in themselves because we were willing to pray, we were willing to fast, and we were willing to give strategically into other people's lives. So I want us just to bow our heads today. you're here this morning and maybe you say Pastor Keith I I don't know (laughs) I'm not sure if I understand all this stuff you've been talking about today but something in me is coming alive that's never been alive before and I'm not sure what I really believe about Jesus or Christianity but I want you to know today there's something stirring in me and I want to just tell you today that thing stirring in you is what is called the conviction or the drawing of the Holy Spirit God loves you so much that he sent you here today and he sent me to you to love you and encourage you and to tell you that you have a purpose and a plan in Christ Jesus and only when you begin to live for God which then empowers you to live for others will you truly find the, the joy and the satisfaction that you've been looking for so if you're here today and you say Pastor Keith today I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and my Savior I've never done that before I've never really committed my life to Christ but I want to do that today If that's you, I want you to just do something very simple but very powerful. I want you to stand to your feet. Just a simple act of faith. Today, I want to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to ask Him to come into my heart and my life. If that's you, I want you to stand. We're about to close the service. We're not going to linger long. But this is your moment. If you don't know Christ, say, I want to know Him today. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you today. Let's take this week. Let's take this next seven days. And let's pray. Let's ask God, Lord, what do you want me to fast from? What do you want me to pray for? And who do you want me to invest in? And next Sunday, we'll start our sore book, devotional book together, or we'll start our devotional reading together, whatever you're going to do. We'll start it together next Sunday. But I want to challenge you today to go ahead and take this seriously. This is a moment and an opportunity to see God show up and show out in our lives. So, Father, today I thank you for the grace and goodness of your Son. I thank you for every person here today. And I thank you, Lord, today, God, that you have called us and you have gifted us and you have given us so much more than we ever imagined. So, Lord, today, as we connect, Father, as we refine and as we refocus our hearts, I pray that heaven would come to earth and that you would work through us for your glory. Bless your people today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today. You're dismissed. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.